Okay, welcome back to the show. Welcome to episode, what are we on? 594 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. In this show, we're talking some more New York Yankees, man. Uh, This could be the last Yankees episode we do until, you know, we get news on Yamamoto. Which is supposed to be taking place this month, right? Uh, When Yamamoto was posted, I think it was like a three-week. They said he's expected to sign within 20 days, something like that. But in this episode, we're going to talk Yankees pitching. Who's out there? And as you can tell by the title, what happens if the Yankees can't, don't, or get outbid for Yamamoto? If they don't sign Yamamoto... There are some options out there, but the starting pitching market isn't exactly deep. Regardless, we're going to discuss these options in tonight's show. Saturday, December 16th, episode 594 of the podcast. Welcome to BD4. Let's get right into the show, folks, and we'll get started from there. Let's go. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Bang! That one goes down and the game is tied. I'd like to take this chance to apologize to absolutely nobody. The Yankees are champions of baseball. Shaking and baking. Right here on the neophyte. Okay, welcome to the show. Welcome to episode 594 of BD4. I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and you are listening to the podcast, BD4. So, yeah, I mean, let's let's just get right into it. No need to waste time. If you're new here, well, follow. Hope you're enjoying the show. And if you're not, you know the rules. You know where to find me. You know where everything is. It's right in the description. Um... Man, I, I'm i getting more concerned about this Yamamoto shit by the day. No, And I have no reason to be. Like, there's nothing new that's happened. But, like, I've actually been hearing some positive quotes by reporters saying how, like, the Yankees are enamored. But, you know, the, the Ken Rosenthal article came out saying how the Yankees are preparing, you know, to go after one Dylan Cease if they cannot acquire Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Um, I completely mispronounced his name there. That's why I call him Yoshi. But, yeah, I mean, the hope is that the Yankees don't have to pivot to a plan B. Um, Let me just put my charger in to my tablet here. Hopefully it doesn't screw anything up. Okay, we're good. Um, 
and and we'll see, man. But bottom line, the Yankees do need some pitching. And we're going to talk about a few pitchers in this show. We're going to talk about Dylan Cease. We'll talk about others like Corbin Burns, Shane Bieber, Jordan Montgomery, Blake Snell, and maybe a couple of guys after that. But um, I'm, I, I just, like, the Yankees really do need pitching. And the Juan Soto thing is wonderful. It's fantastic. It's great, man. I woke up this morning and... Well, the first thing I did was watch Jalen Brunson's 50-piece highlights from last night. But after that, I started watching some Juan Soto highlights before I began my my day. Um, because I'm still I'm still excited. But the euphoria has I don't want to say worn off because I again I'm still like thrilled, but you also start to recognize it, it the Yankees Juan Soto's great. It's not the only issue we had. We had more issues than, you know, an outfield spot, than, than a lineup spot. Um, because the starting pitching rotation last year was below average. Um, and the Yankees are going to have to address that not once, maybe not even twice, probably three times. Like, they're, they're going to need to do a lot to this rotation. Um, because outside of Garrett Cole, who was not only the most durable pitcher in the rotation last year, and he always is, knock on wood. Um, he was also their most effective and by a wide margin, right? He won the Cy Young, um, and then there was just a big drop-off on the other four days of the week. You know, a lot of injuries, a lot of underachieving, a lot of question marks. Um, but the Yankees, I mean, who, who would you say the, the best pitcher outside Garrett Cole was last year, Clark Schmidt. And that says a lot that, you know, Clark Schmidt with his four and a half ERA, whatever, and then whatever it ended up being was the Yankees second best pitcher, um, because Rodon was hurt. He, and he was terrible when he was healthy. Nestor Cortez was hurt all year. Um, you know, Domingo Herman was a head case. He pitched a perfect game. You know, you had more shit going on outside the field. And, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't good elsewhere. Um, it's, they, they need, the way I look at it, man, is they need to go out and get a frontline starter. Somebody who can be up front in the rotation, right behind Cole. But then they also need to get like a decent arm outside that. And then for some insurance, get a lower level, you know, name outside of that, just in case. And it depends who they get as their guy. The rest of the dominoes will fall off to that. Like if they go out and get a Yamamoto and they land him, then I'm fine with the Montez signing, Frankie Montas. Um, But, like, it can't just be Frankie Montas and then something under him. You know, it's got to be, you need that 1B. My gosh, do you. And, again, in a scarce pitching market, it's beggars can't be choosers. And if the Yankees, again, get outbid, whatever, on Yamamoto, 
we're going to have to pivot. And one of the names that has been popping up lately has been this guy, Dylan Cease. And Dylan Cease is a right-handed pitcher. Most recently pitched for the Chicago White Sox. He's 6'2", 195 pounds. Turns 28 years old in two weeks. Which is good. We want pitchers right in the middle of their prime. Um, or at the beginning. And, yeah, it's a pivot move, which I don't love. But, like, if the Yankees were to get Yoshi Yamamoto and then go make a deal to get Dylan Cease, that's perfect for me. Like, that would make me very happy. Because I do, like, I'm intrigued with him. I just don't want this to be the plan B. Because with Dylan Cease... What you're doing is you're relying on upside and not resume. Because, and there is upside there. Like, I see potential. There's a lot of hype on him for a reason. You're always hearing people talk about him. Which, it kind of reminds me of Zach Wheeler a few years ago. I never at the time understood the hype early on when he was with the Mets. But eventually, like, all the nerds were saying, this kid's good, this kid's good, the indicators, the the... You, know, you peel back the layers, he's going to turn into a stud. I never got that at the time. I didn't understand it. But eventually, Zach Wheeler, once he hit his 30s and you know, as soon as he went to Philadelphia, he started pitching like a frontline starter. So Dylan Cease kind of reminds me of that type of pitcher where I think he's going to bloom into a good pitcher in his 30s. And again, he's hitting that spot right now. He's 28. I think this might be where people see the upside. they, they if, if you like the nerd shit, you go on his baseball reference, the entire page is, well, not the entire page. There's a lot of red. There are There's some red on the page. Um, the fastball velocity is red. That's good. His whiff rate is red. That's good. His K rate is red. His barrel percentage is red. All right? Um, if you're not into that stuff, okay. He's got some accomplishments in his past. He ha- He's had three consecutive seasons with 200 strikeouts now. Three straight seasons with at least 30 starts. In 2022, which I believe the highlights on the screen are from 2022, if you're watching the YouTube edit. In that year, he placed second in the AL Cy Young voting. With a 14-8 and record, a 2.20 ERA. 227 strikeouts across 184 innings. He led the American League in strikeouts per nine that year. And he has two complete game shutouts under his belt already in his career. So the upside says this is a kid with a four-pitch package. He's fastball slider, curve change. Primarily fastball slider. The slider is his best pitch. That's his put-away pitch. It's an unhittable pitch. Really is unhittable. He gets a ton of outs with his slider. Uh, he's mostly going to right-handed batters with it. I would say it's 65-35. Um, but that's absolutely his best pitch. His fastball sits at 95-97. It does get hit a bit. Um, he has a curveball where he goes mostly to left-handed batters with that curve. 
it also gets hit a little bit. Last year it was hit a lot. Uh, and then he has a changeup that he doesn't really go to. He's had inconsistent results with it year to year, but at very low usage. Very low. So Dylan Cease could be a guy I see coming over here and being a good Matt Blake project. I feel like he's somebody who Matt Blake could tap into. Because the Yankees like, they like high velo pitchers with good breaking stuff. I feel like Dylan Cease fits that mold to a T. You know, now there are concerns about Dylan Cease. Right? He, he's had inconsistent results. Right? His best, his, his baseball reference isn't the greatest. Okay? He had a 4-5 DRA last year. So his resume is not special. In five seasons, he's had a 579 as a rookie. He had a 401 in his second year during the COVID season. He had a 3.91 in 2021. Again, the 2.20 in 2022, the, the Cy Young candidacy. Uh, and then last season, uh, 4.58. He did have a better September, if you care. Um, and if you care about this, he's not great against the AL East. He has a 6.85 ERA against Boston in five starts. A 5.40 ERA across five starts against the Rays. A 6.75 through four starts against the Yankees. Obviously, he'd be here. Um, he does have a .69 versus Toronto, but that's across just two starts. And if you care, he's also 0-3 against the Astros with a 4-18 and six starts. So that's not great. Um, and if you like, again, if you like the nerd shit, there are some blue categories on there. Blue is bad. Uh, the chase rate's blue. His exit velo average and his hard hit rate is blue. His walk rate's not good. He's got major control problems that Matt Blake would certainly have to work on him with. Um, you know, uh, you, you look at his walks per nine, and I'm rounding here. Four walks per nine, five walks per nine, and then the last three years, he's had four walks per nine each. So, he led the American League in, in wild pitches in 2021 and in 2023. So he's got control problems. Um, another thing that concerns me about Cease, his ground ball rate's not exactly great. This is a fly ball pitcher. And fly ball pitcher coming into Yankee Stadium, you know, flashbacks to Sonny Gray. Phil Hughes in his later years had issues with home run ball. It's not a great thing. Um, doesn't get great extension on his release. If you watch him, if you see these highlights, if you're watching the YouTube or Spotify edit where the video is posted, um, you could see Dylan C's highlights. and he, It looks like he's like he short arms it. It's not like Yoshi Yamamoto where the big thing with Yamamoto is he gets great extension on his delivery. Um, so... There are definitely concerns. Um, you're getting a guy with two more years of control. He's only estimated to make $8 million next year. Probably going to cost some more prospects, though, because the Chicago White Sox are still in the midst of a rebuild, and 
it's going to be a heavy price. You know, I read the article with Rosenthal. Um, I don't know that he mentioned a specific like mock trade, but I, I did read another article that was mentioning Jason Dominguez being a headliner. No, thank you. If that's what it's going to take, no, thank you. Now, if the White Sox want like double A talent, maybe Chase Hampton. Maybe he headlines with another top guy in there. Okay, I'll think about that. You know, Hampton's one of the Yankees' top prospects. He was also, um, I believe he's in the top 100 in baseball on the, on the pipeline. So when it comes to Dylan Cease, I would not prefer him as the the guy that the Yankees get in the rotation. He has to be like... We'll get this guy, and then we'll throw. We'll, we'll go after Cease to beefing it up a little bit. But you have to, you have to get that guy that you know. You need some, you need some certainty in there. And I don't think Dylan Cease screams certainty. He's a guy I get after I get Yamamoto, after I get an ace, an ace-like pitcher. Because while Dylan Cease could be that guy. There's, there's a lot of could-be's in the rotation as it is. So as far as Dylan Cease goes, that's it. Um, there are a couple of more guys we're going to get to, as we showed you at the top of the show, if you're watching the video format. And we also told you. Um, so yeah, welcome to BD4, episode 594 of the podcast in this show. Yanks pivoting to Dylan Cease, question mark, is the name of this episode. If you're new to the podcast, well, you can find us on Apple Podcasts. Give us a five-star rating and review there. If you want to subscribe to us there, please do that. Download these episodes. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, the video edit of these podcast episodes are on YouTube, and they're also on Spotify. So you can go there as well. You want to follow us on social media, at BD4Pod on Instagram, at BD4Pod on Twitter or X, BD4 on Facebook. And if you want to find the blog, go to BD4Blog.com, where we write the blog. We write a blog. Yankees, Knicks, sometimes MMA. Uh, we've been very active with the Yankees this year, well, with the Knicks this year. actually just wrote a Yankees article of recently. So go check out our blog, bd4blog.com slash blog, to get to the blog section of the website. bd4blog.com slash blog. Um, if you want to support the podcast, you can help us out on Venmo. That'd be great, at Robert. Dash Carbone, Dash Junior, Jr. Dash two eight. But um, that's that's it as far as Dylan Cease goes. Um, Corbin Burns is an alternative name I've been hearing. I wanted him last season. Um, Corbin Burns is a right-handed pitcher. He is six three. 220, uh, 246 pounds, excuse me, he's a big dude, 29 years old. He's got a great resume. Uh, he would 
definitely help the Yankees out in the year 2024. Um, he's won an NL Cy Young in 2021, where he took the ERA title that year. He's a three-time All-Star across six seasons already. He's had a sub-three ERA in four of those six seasons. And he's become a full-time starting pitcher uh, in the last three years where he's made 93 starts combined. So he's very durable. In 2021, he was 11-5 with a 2-4-3 across 167 innings, 28 starts. 2022, he was 12-8 with a 2-9-4 across 202 innings, 33 starts. And then last season, Corbin Burns went 10-8 with a 3-3-9 ERA. 193 and two-thirds innings across 32 starts. If you go to his nerd site, Baseball Savant is all red. All red. Um, his fastball velo is good. Average exit velo is good. Chase rate, whiff rate, K rate, that's decent. The barrel percentages, the hard hit rate, that's good. His ground ball rate's decent. It's like 60-40. He doesn't allow a ton of home runs either. So Corbin Burns, definitely intriguing. He's a guy with a very good, very deep arsenal of pitches. Cutter, curve, changeup, slider, sinker. In that order from usage. Um, He's very cutter-reliant, though. It's, it's cutter, and then everything else is less than 20% of the time. His cutter six. Uh, his cutter sits at ninety four to ninety six. He gained more confidence with that pitch in twenty twenty, and since it's become a very very tough pitch to hit. He goes mostly to left handed batters with it, but he's still pretty balanced overall. The curveball, it sits at seventy nine to eighty miles an hour. He has that's become. An excellent pitch for him. It's a very unhittable pitch. Um, he also uses that pitch to both lefties and righties. And I mean, you can keep going down on his resume. His slider is an incredibly unhittable pitch, even more so than the curve. Um, the difference is he favors right-handed batters with that slider. He's extremely heavy with it to right-handed batters. He doesn't throw that slider to lefties. Um, the changeup sits at around 88 to 91. It's also a very hard pitch to hit. He only goes to lefties with the changeup. So I would imagine he fades it low and away a lot. You know, it, it dives arm side. Um, and the sinker. You know, I haven't watched a ton of him, so I don't know if it's more of a two-seam or if it's more of a sinking action on the pitch. But he doesn't use it a ton. It's not often used. When it does, it's it gets slugged around some. Um, but I would imagine with the sinker, he likes going low and inside to right-handed hitters with it because I was looking at his baseball savant, and he favors it to righties. Um, but yeah, this this is a guy who would... He's not getting paid much next year. He's only making $14 million, so it's not too much of a hit on your payroll. Um, just the concerns, you know, he walks an average amount of batters. He's not, yeah, I wouldn't say he's a walk machine, but 
It's one of the non-red sections on his baseball savant. Uh, he's coming off a down season where, you know, you're worrying if can he get back to that ace level. I think so, but it is worth noting that his ERA did jump almost 50 points. Um, he lost some velocity last season. Uh, and we also don't know if Milwaukee's going to trade him. I've been hearing they do. Lately, I've been hearing they don't. They might try contending first and then flip him at the deadline if they can get something for him. But if the Yankees won him, he's going to cost a lot because he will be a rental ace. And that would be a heavy price that you've paid on on rentals. Like That would make three acquisitions this winter where you'd have given up all this depth for three guys on one-year deals or with one-year deal, one-year remaining on their deal. Right? You gave up five players to San Diego, three players to Boston, not to mention you lost three to the Rule 5. And let's say a deal for Corbin Burns would cost at least three more that's going to be 14, maybe 15 pitchers in that, that you'd have lost this past offseason. Like, like that's that's a lot of depth. I don't care if you think some of these pitchers are worth losing or not. They're depth. They're bodies. They're arms. The Yankees need arms, and that's a ton of depth that you're getting rid of. So you talk about World Series or bust. Like, if you don't win the World Series, which obviously that wouldn't mean everything worked out great, you literally bust. And you have left yourself screwed for the future. So, you know, because you're thinking like Corbin Burns, yes, he's a rental, but he's also an ace. And pitchers are gold today. So he would probably cost a lot. Like Spencer Jones would probably headline that deal. And then you'd probably be talking about Everson Pereira or Oswald Peraza on the side. Maybe, maybe like Schmidt plus one of Pereira or Peraza, and then Jones. You know what I mean? Like, it would be a lot. Um, if they move, you know, veteran Willie Adamas, would they want Oswald Peraza there? So you'd go, let's let's say, like, Jones, Clark, uh, Peraza, and then maybe a lower-level prospect. Is that the deal? Is that worth it? Because if you want to pay Soto, if you want to the pony up and pay Soto... And Burns is expected to make at least two hundred million next winter. At least that's 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 asking Hal Steinbrenner to, you know, pay sixty seventy million dollars to two players in one year. You know, if the Yankees pass on Yamamoto or they get outbid, are they willing to gut their prospect depth even more? for another rental player. I don't see it. I don't see them do it. Um, I don't see them doing it. But he's an option. And again, beggars cannot be choosers. Which brings us to our next pitcher that I want to touch on. In Blake Snell. And we'll talk about Blake Snell as soon as we return from our first break here on the show of BD4. Episode 594. Stay with us. We'll be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. 
And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show. Welcome back to the show. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. And you are listening to episode 594 of BD4. I appreciate you stopping by. So, Blake Snell is the next guy I want to talk about. Um, Yankees fans know him from when he was in the AL East with the Rays. Left-handed pitcher, obviously he pitched for San Diego last year. Left-handed pitcher, 6'4", 225, he's 31 years old. Um, a solid resume on Blake Snell. This is a two-time Cy Young winner, um, just recently. Two-time ERA title in eight seasons. He's a one-time All-Star. He's a guy who doesn't allow a ton of hits. That's one thing I like about him. He's led the league in hits per nine twice. Uh, and you look at his baseball savant, it's very good. Everything is red except for chase rate, which is below average. Um, his ground ball rate is slightly above average. He hasn't allowed over six home, uh, 16 home runs in a year before either. Um, but his walk rate is horrendously bad. It's very below average. It's in the fourth fourth percentile, I believe, when I looked at his savant pitch. Um, he led this. He led the league last year in walks with 99 walks. Okay, um, that's five walks per nine. He's got a 4.1 career walks per nine. His career best in walks per nine, which he did twice, was 3.2, which is not a good number. Not not as your best. So he, he struggles, as you can imagine, going very deep into the game because of that. He's a five-inning pitcher most of the time. Um, I, I'm also concerned when it comes to Blake Snell on the injury, the durability. There have been a number of seasons where he's missed time. You know, 180 innings in his... That that, that was his career high last year. But I think he hit that mark twice. Every other season in his career, though, the other six seasons, he went 120-something innings or lower in the 120s. So it's like you're already worrying about Carlos Rodon's health. The shoulder, the back... Nestor's coming back from an injury. God forbid Garrett Cole, who's been Iron Man, goes down. It's a little risky there. And it's like, it's also, you look at it, and, and he's a lefty. Like, the fact that you'd be adding a third lefty into the rotation is not great. Like, lefties are great, but everything is great to an extent. Having three left-handed pitchers is a matchup issue three out of every five days since the league is primarily right-handed. Is that going to work in the Yankee Stadium? Um, He's a free agent, so you don't have to pay prospect depth anymore, but he will cost a lot of money. You know, if you're... Man, if you're trying to bring back Soto, again, do you want to pay Blake Snell $200 million? Do you want another Carlos Rodon contract? You have to. What, what's Rodon making? One eighty over six, close to that. 
I would say Snell's expecting something similar with a little more. I would say 200 across six could be what you see Blake Snell get in this market. Um, I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard the Yankees and Snell connect at all. Like, I, I don't think they're interested. I've not heard them talk about that with the Padres. Um, or no, he's a free agent. So, yeah, I haven't heard them and Snell. There's There's been no connection so far, so I don't think that's happening. Uh, but just an idea. And then there is a familiar name. Um, obviously, Jordan Montgomery, right? We we know Montgomery from his years as a Yankee. Um, and, and the thing with Montgomery with me is he's a very solid pitcher. But unlike some of these guys that we're listing, Burns, Snell, Yamamoto, I don't see... Montgomery with that upside as like a frontline guy. You know, I don't see him as a number one. I don't see him as a number two. I feel like at best Montgomery's a number three. He's a solid number three pitcher. No all-star appearances, no Cy Young, no ERA title, anything like that. He's not a crazy, not crazy strikeout guy. Soft contact, ground balls, pop-ups. From what I remember, you know, um, and he has been better since leaving the Yankees, which I guess you could look at at that one of two ways. Um, he had a three point nine four ERA with the Yankees in New York City. Then he had a three point three one with the Cardinals across thirty two starts, and a two point seven nine with Texas across eleven starts. He obviously won the World Series there this past season. Pitched very well. Pitched very well in the playoffs. You know, he had he had seven shutout against the Rays early on in October. Um, he struggled against Baltimore, but they ended up winning that game anyway. Then he had three great appearances in the ALCS against Houston, two starts, and a solid game two in the World Series where he won six plus. So, you know, can he be that guy here? You know, again, one of two ways. You could say, well, he he he's improved since he was last year. He's a better pitcher now. Or you could say, you, you can question why he thrived so much away from New York City. There's less pressure in Texas. Nobody cares about them. World Series numbers were terrible. Um, there's less pressure in St. Louis. You're in the middle of nowhere. It does seem like Jordan Montgomery's always been a quiet country kid, not exactly a big city player. You know, um, I, I just don't know if Jordan Montgomery is enough for me to be like, okay, we got our guy. Like, if they lose out on Yami, I don't know that they can get Jordan Montgomery, and I'd be like, fuck yeah. Again, as a as a as a lesser option in addition to a to an ace, sure. But I think. If we're talking 1A, a 1B next to Cole, I'd rather take a risk on a rental like Burns. I'd rather take a risk on Snell. Dylan Cease intrigues me. I'm slowly buying in on him, but still, he's he's kind of in that Montgomery category where I'd be like only with another guy better than him, you know? Um, do I prefer Shane Bieber? Would that be enough for me? Let's talk about Shane Bieber. 
because um, you, you've kind of heard this name too. Shane Bieber with the Cleveland Guardians, a right-handed pitcher, 6'3", 200 pounds, 29 years old. Another pitcher entering the prime of his career. He's had a solid resume. He's got a solid one. Cy Young winner, two-time All-Star in six years, triple crown, a gold glove, an ERA title. Now, the tricky thing with me when it comes to Shane Bieber is the inconsistent results, the injury history. It's a little up and down. Um, You go through his resume. He had a 4.55 ERA as a rookie, whatever, that's normal. He had a 3.28 ERA year two across 33 games, 34 starts. Very good. Or 34 games, 33 starts. Um, In 2020, that was his triple crown year. He had ridiculous numbers, 1.63 ERA. That was also the COVID season. Weird year. Nobody there, just 12 measly starts, 77 innings. Nobody really counts that. 2021, he had a good year. ERA sat at 3.17. The thing there, it was a very small sample as well because he dealt with a shoulder injury, so he was limited to 16 starts, 96 and two-thirds. 2022, he had his first full season where he pitched like an ace since his second season in 2019. He had a 2.88 ERA across 31 starts, pitched 200 innings. Then last season came, and he took another step back. He had a 6 and 6 record, a 3.80 ERA, and only 21 starts in 128 innings because he dealt with right elbow inflammation. So, I don't know if I am too intrigued with Shane Bieber. I just need more consistency. I worry about the health. I've heard and I've and I've 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 not just heard, but I looked it up. His strikeout numbers, his velocity numbers, they've gone down more and more and more in recent seasons. And that's all while his hit totals have climbed up. Um, I've heard that he went away from the curveball last year. Maybe that's something Matt Blake can help him gain more confidence in again. He is only 28 years old after all, so I'm not saying he's going to be declining. Um... But what I am saying is, all in all, I would rather save those prospects for a different deal. I don't trust Shane Bieber 100% to be my number two to Garrett Cole, which is what we're looking for here, folks. You know? At the end of the day, that's what we're looking for. Who can be the number two to Cole? I want the guy, if we're doing this whole World Series or Bust thing, man, I want the guy who's the best, not the safest option. Not the cheapest option. I want the guy who's the best and I worry about later later. So yeah, I would consider Corbin Burns. <laughs> uh, and then there's other guys you've heard. You know, Frankie Montes. Is there a reunion there? Again, I'm fine with that as an additional pitching addition. <laughs> pitching addition. As an additional pitching acquisition. But not the big move. He's like a guy you get when the offseason's all done. Um, I've heard Lucas Giolito's name. Stay away from that, please. Um, at least, again, at least as a primary move. 
Um, you're also hearing a little bit about this other Japanese kid they're talking about. Maybe we'll have an episode on him sometime soon. We'll see. But yeah, with, with me, it's the Yankees probably need at least two, probably three pitchers. They need a big name. You know, they need a decent name. And then probably, a, you know, a no-name third pitcher added to that at the end. You know, maybe a minor leaguer you, you bring up, you trade for, maybe a prospect, a small deal. But you definitely need at least two guys you can look at and be like, okay. And I feel like the best route to go is getting Yamamoto as your first primary move. Because after that, in my opinion, it's Yamamoto and then there's a big drop-off. So we'll see what happens there. We will absolutely see in these next few days. I have a feeling we're going to get some news by the end of next week. So as I'm recording, again, it's Saturday, December 16th. I'm going to predict and say he signs somewhere by Friday. Maybe it's earlier. Still feels like it's going to be Yankees, Dodgers, Mets. And hopefully the Yankees are as as hell-bent on getting him as I've been hearing from, from some reporters. Not me personally, but just looking online. I don't know shit. But, yeah, we'll see, man. We will see. That's it. We'll head to our final break, get back, and we'll wrap up with our trivia. When we return here on BD4, stay with us. Be right back. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4 Blog by going to bd4blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. Welcome back to the show, episode 594 of BD4. Be sure to subscribe, download, rate, and review. Download these episodes, like I just said. Um, I'm your host, RJ. I appreciate you stopping by and listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis, Yanks every series, Knicks every game, and MMA on occasion. Be sure to check us out on all our platforms. If you want to watch the video edit of this podcast, that's up on Spotify and YouTube. If you want to subscribe to the YouTube channel, that'd be great. We're getting better numbers on YouTube of late. 
So I appreciate that. And you can find us on our website at bd4blog.com. If you want to find the blog, that's on there. If you want to find um, more links and ways to get to our podcast on there, all the platforms are linked on there as well. bd4blog.com, where I write Yankees, Knicks, MMA as well once in a while. I've been way more active on there this year talking Knicks. We recently wrote a Yankees article, so check out bd4blog.com. Let's wrap this thing up with our trivia, folks. All right. So in this episode, episode 594 of the podcast, which Yankees second baseman set a team record by hitting 171 singles in the 1989 season? All right. One final time. Which Yankees second baseman set a team record by hitting 171 singles in the 1989 season. For some reason, I feel like we did, like we've done this episode. Like, for some reason, I feel like we did this question before. I'm rushing because I really want to watch this final UFC card of the year. So, hey, maybe we'll have a UFC episode soon. I know we don't do that often here, but on occasion, folks. UFC 294 tonight, man. I'm excited for it. It's going to be a big one. I'm rooting for Kobe because he's playing the whole villain thing and he's doubled down recently with some controversial comments. But it's funny. Like, people want the villain in the UFC and then when they when, when that villain says something they don't like, it's like, no, never mind. I don't want him. It's like, you have to understand the role of the villain is to literally be the villain. It's like, he's going to say shit you don't like. Not that I agree with any of that. Like, a lot of that shit he says is... You know, the whole thing on Leon's father, that's a little crazy to me. But you know what? That's what the villain is. They say shit you don't want to hear. They say shit that's out there that's not exactly right, moral. But it's like people say they want a villain until they get a villain. And he's playing that well. He really is. It's like Draymond Green in the NBA. I'm loving this whole thing. I know I know people are like, oh, he needs help. He needs mental health. Fucking... Choke them motherfuckers, punch them motherfuckers in the face, hitting yerk, hitting Nurkic in the face. Like, it's fucking hilarious. The, the NBA, I like it. I like it. I love it. I'm sorry. I like guys like that. I like a dirty player, man. This is the most controversial thing I could probably say. I like it. <laughs> I'm all for the bad guy in sports, man. I, I love that that role. You know, it's it's funny. It makes me laugh when people get upset. <laughs> In sports, in sports, because it's all it's all meaningless at the end of the day, so we can laugh at it. I'm off topic, and we're going to wrap this up here before I get myself into further trouble. It's a good thing I don't have any listeners because I'd get in so much trouble if I did. Let's finish it here. Thanks for tuning in, and I'll see you in the next show. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there! If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you. And we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks.